So it's as if we're on NPR right now. Very smooth. We're talking about the Democratic National Committee convention that will be coming up. And I'm sure everyone, all our listeners back at home will be on the edge of their seat waiting for the results and the speeches from the Democratic National Committee the, these are convention. The, most the DNC. The speeches especially are the most exciting. Yes. Yes. It reminds me of watching my mother and grandmother knit quilts in the winter as their sticks moved in and out of the cloth. Mm-hmm. As the day progr- progressed, the blanket got larger. Yeah. Funny, funny you should say that because it reminds me my uh, grandfather in, uh. the, in his coffin. Oh, yes. That's true. Very still. Uh, except he's funnier. Very stoic, yet he makes a point in his mere presence. Yeah. But but he's funny. He At that point, he was funnier than the whole... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can believe that. Uh, so, all right, the... This new space age uh, podcasting equipment is working just fine. We got our beers. Check. These are real beers. By two the beers, way. real beers, two mm. beers, and a recording device for the podcast. Whenever we'll add beers in post production, it's always genuine uh, beers. Two, no we more, no less. Yes, first take, first take, first, first take. No edits. That is true. Real beer. I. I found this book on fluke, so I have to be very honest with you. Huh. This book was literally, you know, in the morning sometimes, you may not have this problem. I have this problem. In the morning sometimes, I go through email quickly, right? I speed read every work email, and if it's just an update, I get the update and move on and don't really dwell on it. Um, if it's a non-actionable, I just read it and delete it or archive it. And then my personal email, most of what's in there ends up being deleted because it's all from newsletters, everything mm. else. There was a morning where I really didn't want to get to work. <laughs> mm. and you, have the, you have those. Uh, yes. So it wasn't that I did. I, it was that I was in work and I was almost done clearing my personal mailbox, email box. And I saw whatever, the daily newsletter from Audible. Mm. And it said, and this was literally the day after me and you talked about science fiction. Nice. I think we were just texting. It wasn't a podcast. We were just talking about, like, what are we going to do? What do we, what do we talk about? Yeah. And a big complaint. Oh, it was after we podcasted. Not the reboot podcast, the one before that that hasn't been posted. Yeah. Um, it was literally, like, the day after that. And it said, buy one, get one free science fiction and i said oh my god the universe provides yeah i w- we were talking about sci-fi thinking about sci-fi and the next day audible presented me with two for one i went through all of these books and the book i actually ended up getting which i thought would be interesting for us to talk about was i think it was called the andromeda effect by michael Crichton. andromeda i came across it in my research oh you did yeah that book title that book title, but I've never read it. And yeah. It's also in m- probably uh, in my reading list. Yeah. So I I got that, and I was like, what do I want to get second? And I'm looking through everything, and I was very conscientious of your comment about it bugs me that science fiction is more fiction and not science. And on a whim, I looked at Seven Eves, and in it, it was talking about, oh, Bill Gates recommends this, ah. you know, else, and I go, ah, Bill Gates, I think he really likes factual things, um, stories or whatever else. So I got it. Yeah. Within the first hour of listening to this book, I said, Vadim has to listen to this book because wow. it was so physics heavy. Wow. To the point where... And this is where we can have a discussion. So what I don't want to do is I don't want to overstep my bounds and start talking about either an opinion or something. I, don't, I can't do a spoiler alert, obviously, but I also don't want to give my opinion on the entire book. So let's start with just part one. Yeah. And this book is by Neil Stevenson. Neil Stevenson, Seven E's. prominent sci-fi uh, writer and... Uh, 
I, t- I, I need a purple heart. Yeah. I just took a beer roll, a bullet, a beer roll it, beer let, a beer at. I got a beer at on my leg. Let's start. A, let's start again. Let's pretend so I never opened my mouth. Okay, so <laughs> it's from the, what's his, what's the author's name again? We need to give this Neil guy Neil Stevenson. Neil Stevenson. Okay. Neil Stevenson. He, he's a science fiction author. Everybody seems to like him. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've heard of him before. Most certainly. Oh, you had even before I recommended him before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I've never read any of his books. Okay. Uh, specifically, of a very few that I considered reading. Okay. Which Seven Eves was not among them. Okay. Uh, uh, they were really long, and so I thought, can't be bothered. Yeah. Well, long books. I but mean. then, but then, when you recommended me that book, cause I, I thought that well, Matthew must be basing his opinion on his expertise yeah. and his, n- you know, proficiency oh yeah. in p- the realm of science fiction. One hundred percent. So I, uh, I thought well. Yeah, I I'm a very credible witness. And and so you finished the book. I've only read part one. There's, yeah. th- there's three parts. I, I'm loving it so far. It's yeah. Amazing. Well, so specifically in part one, the part, the thing that made an impression on me is the, uh, I might make up a word here, is the verbosity mm. of what he was going into to where the conversations were about character development and they were about story, but he also just was exploring every minutia of these problems that everyone was solving. Yeah. So it was almost, I'm going to make a really crazy analogy, Family Guy. You know a Family Guy, that'll you, the story will be developing and then they'll have a sidebar and it'll be very random. Yeah. But so specific. Yeah. This book was like that, except instead of going into some nonsensical cutscene, he goes into the most technical cutscene yeah, you yeah. could possibly do. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I quite like that. So a lot I of knew you would like that. A lot of uh, uh, jargon of uh. Uh, you know astronauts and you know astrophysics and, yeah. and you know this sort of uh, this kind of stuff, the NASA type of people. And uh, a lot of so, sort of little, almost random details. Yeah, yeah those, random details. Know, that was it. Swarms of fishes. You yeah. know, all those things. Is and they, but I can't really say they're random. They seem random. I think it's this. Oh no, it fits. It fits. It's just very verbose. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very b- verbose. And uh, I think a lot of people. So here's what I will say. I listened to the book, so. I kept looking at the thing like this is a 27 hour endeavor. Do I need all what's that? 30. A 30 hour endeavor. Do I need all of these details? And it turns out. So I kind of after I finish the book, I I don't do this while I'm reading books, but I'll go to forums and Mm. reviews and just see get other people's take on the story. What Mm. did I miss? What was the angle they were looking on? Kind of like what we do talking through things, right? You look up what you should think about it. Um. Mm, yeah 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 reverse rationalization um but one of the knocks on the book and i wouldn't say it was a knock for me i think that's why i recommended it to you but it was i i did question whether it was needed was people just said this is too technical Mm. so a lot of people when they read sci-fi and this is where i think me and you talking about sci-fi is going to be very interesting because i think i'm okay with just story story and a lot of fiction and a lot of metaphor and allegory whereas i think when you hear science fiction you want done what he did yeah which is okay yeah give me the allegory give me the metaphor but where's the science in this yeah yeah yeah, well because it's science fiction because otherwise i can read i don't know some uh acclaimed classic from yesteryear you know what i mean uh so the premise of the book and it's not a spoiler uh, because it just yeah it is the premise. It's opening paragraph of yeah. the book. Yeah. Is that the moon uh, blows up, essentially, and yeah. splits into seven pieces. Yep. And, well, I think it's pretty evident that uh, the Earth is pretty much doomed. I, yeah. w- I think we, sh- we should do, we should do uh, spoilers, I think. Uh, for part one? F- for part one, yeah. So... 
We, we're going to do a lot uh, Yeah, of the spoilers. book's been out a long time. I think it's been out since 2013 or something, 2014. So it's it's going to be difficult to talk about it without spoilers. So Spoiled, if you don't dude. want spoilers, the book is amazing. <laughs> go, you know, pause, you know, right come, now. Yeah, come back after you uh, read it. Go read it nonstop. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's only 30 hours if you sort of... Or 800 it. pages. 800 pages. So I mean... Ha- but it's a page turner. It's a page... And you know, 30 hours, really, you just you know, don't sleep for 30 hours yeah and that's it and you, you're done with the book accomplishment that's about like 150 dollars in meth and mm. then the book costs you about what 18 dollars uh one so i don't one credit i don't know what that is I'm yeah t- i'm way too rich from that podcast this podcast to yeah. count how much we're making a lot of money does it we're making a lot of money. have you been you've what? been yacht shopping i've been uh, yacht shopping I've been yacht shopping a lot yeah i usually go to the yacht club in my bentley to look yacht at what's there <laughs> yacht mall the yacht mall yeah, uh, no, we have to spoil it or we wouldn't be doing our jobs and our sponsors would quickly pull out yeah, from yeah. giving us so much money, uh, yeah. the bags full of Scrooge McDuck money. Um, so what, w- what, what was I going to say about the book? Um, yes, so the moon is hit by what they call an agent. Yeah. They don't know if the agent was something inside that split it yeah. and they don't know or, or they don't know if it was something that hit it. Yeah. It's, now, a it's a cop-out word. It's a cop-out. What did you say? It's a, it's a fancy way of saying we have no idea. Yeah. So what did you think about that? The author just leaving that up to your imagination. Do you think that was a deliberate effect that he did to make you, the reader, wa- wonder? Or do you think there was just like, I need to say it was blown up and I don't have any good idea how it could blow up into seven pieces? What do you uh, feel about that? I don't know. I don't think it's that important. I, 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 I'm very curious. What okay. Could that be? Yeah, I don't think it's that important. But it never. I never really stopped and thought. Hmm. No. I wonder why this happens because uh, w- there's many ways to ra- to rationalize it. Yeah. For example, uh, we're n- not that great at tracking all those bodies that fly, ra- fly around. Oh no. So it could be that some kind of a um, uh, space rock, just a big rock, just hit the drilled m- right hit through it. the yeah. moon and split it into seven pieces yeah that's good enough for me anyways right right um so overall though uh what i really loved about the first part and i think Mm. about the whole book although i've not finished it is that two concepts come together here okay the concepts that i love uh concept number one is uh Unlike a lot of sci-fi, it's not about some kind of you know space travel or uh. you know war against aliens. It's just setting up a megastructure and living there. Yes, that is quite interesting and, and not trivial, I think. And the second bit, it, uh, second thing that I love that he also sort of take advantage of is it's not set in the distant future. Mm. We already know yeah. that, well, this is how things are, and this is the event. But he tells exactly how we arrive at yeah. that situation. Yeah. And so megastru- megastructure in question, obviously, is the cloud arc, yeah. which is a swarm of uh, mini spacecrafts yeah. that can at- you know, attach to each other. Yeah. Or detach if needed. Yeah. And though... It's wha- redundancy in space travel. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, let's back up. Do before we go there, because since we're already spoiling, so let's yeah. explain what's happening. So oh, the right. reason they need to be build the arc is because it's not just that moon splits into seven pl- pieces. Let's say the moon splits into seven p- pl- pieces. He makes... He, he explains that this wouldn't be the end of the world. It could be business as usual. The problem occurs when the seven pieces start hitting each other and breaking each other up to more and more. Right. At first, uh, the moon was just as it was, except it was the seven pieces. The yep. forces of gravity held it them sort of more or less together. Yep. So nothing really changed. Yeah. Yeah, but then this whole system went out of equilibrium and then they started colliding with each other, mm-hmm. those pieces, and break each other. P- and the calculations showed that sooner or later, 
they will split into many many pieces and they and then these pieces will fall on earth and destroy everything yes the earth is fucked yeah effectively yep and they had two years so that that <laughs> is the trope that is the the perfect um i guess the joseph campbell call to action because it's a stopwatch yeah so our heroes need to get off their ass and make something happen then the hero being the people who need to more or less um pull the human race uh from earth into space to ride out the I already forgot the name of it, uh, where the Earth starts getting all those rocks and the atmosphere basically turns yeah, to hard fire. rain. Yeah. The hard rain. Yeah, that's good. So that's the reason and the need for both the Izzy International Space Station to be grown and then the arclets and the cloud arc, which will basically hold candidates. That have been picked from yeah. Earth. Yeah, very small sample of people. Uh, small sample. Apparently, yeah. uh, everybody else dies, I presume. Uh, I hope. That's very dramatic. A lot of billions yeah. die and a yeah. few thousand go up yep. into this cloud arc, which is, as, as we said before, is uh, just a, a collection of smaller spacecrafts. Yeah. And they orbit Earth. Again, we don't travel too far. We don't travel too far in space. We don't travel too far in time. Right. It could happen tomorrow. And uh, what Stevenson lays out could be how it would play out if that happened. Right. There would be a whole lot of cooperation from a whole lot of people who used to not cooperate. Yeah, all of a sudden nations started cooperate. That's yeah. I think that's... And I think that's another science fiction trope, like Star Trek. You know, there's no nations, there's no money. Just people yeah. do whatever they're trained to do. Well, that's an interesting... That, and that's that whole idea is interesting on its own, even the, sci- the sci-fi uh, aside. Uh, because when you know that everything, every most concepts that we're used to, such as countries, monies, you know, your, uh, your passport, whatever become redundant, obsolete. Yeah. Because only two years left to live. Massive reprioritization of uh, social structure. It is weird. What is important? Because now we have a two-year window before all of us are evaporated. It must be weirdly liberating. I think it's insanely liberating. And I tell you what, I'll go even further than that. Um, so I lived my life very interestingly up until about a year or two ago where I just always assumed there was something on the horizon. Yeah. But I kept getting older. Yeah. Right? My, my teenage years turned into my 20s and my 20s turned into my 30s. And I kept thinking, I don't know what it was, but for some reason I kept thinking there would be this security in something and i i assumed it came in the form of money and i assumed that you worked and you worked you got in a company and it popped and then you made whatever millions of dollars and then you felt comfortable um the older i got i realized i don't think that's how things work i think there's no security ever and just assume this is the last moment you're going to take a breath and then when you start playing the game that way there are massive reprioritizations. Now, obviously, I still have to play that other game because I got kids and a wife and mortgage, and there are expectations on me providing for them. So I can't just say, oh, I don't like this job, so I'm going to go walk in the hills. <laughs> right? It can't, it can't be yeah. that way. No. But I'm getting kind of closer to that than I was before, where I would just do stuff and be like, why am I doing it? I don't know. There's a paycheck at the end of this. So, uh, yeah, no, I think... That concept, again, I think it's a it's kind of a traditional story trope that everything that you think you have is now gone. Yeah. What really what do, what really matters to you? Let's go on an adventure and figure that out. Yeah. And it's interesting how he mentions that everybody uh, 
initially went and bought pretty much all of the camping equipment that there oh, was yes. for sale. Because yes. everybody wanted all of a sudden c connect with nature yeah. one last time. Yeah. It's very interesting. Uh, again, we, we hopefully won't know what will it be like. Let's hope. But I can imagine that in those moments you realize as you said what what what's really important yeah and i think what what's really powerful about that book is some people who read it will maybe consider that because i certainly it certainly made me think a lot about what i would have done if yeah. that happened and maybe what i would have done in that situation i should actually do yes you know what i mean <laughs> i know exactly what you mean why, why aren't we living that bold right now? So uh, you, you're probably living more bold than me I because you make moves and make decisions. So I spent all my savings on camping equipment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it was REI because this week on the podcast, REI is no. I'm just kidding. REI is not a sponsor. They should be a sponsor because I think it's a great idea to drop all that you're doing and buy a tent. Well, they should, but. I'm not sure if they can, because um, we have everything booked till when? Uh, 2020 for sure. For sure, yes. So, so now we only take sponsors who pay in gold. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Gold and marijuana. Go Those go and cocaine, Yeah, of course. Yeah. Those yeah. are the three currencies that Two Beers in a Book uh, actually trade in. Yeah. And yeah, if you're yeah, not yeah. willing to come with either of those, any of those three currencies, then really we're not willing to have a conversation. Yeah. So we just get your head out of your ass yeah, yeah. and get a bag of cash. Yeah, we have enough offers with those we currencies. Have enough so if you if you if you're thinking about like old US dollar, uh, we're not interested. No. Sorry. No, we aren't. You know, uh, bags of gold. Something something more substantial, please. M more substantial, please. And just for proof, right now in our um, five point three million dollar studio that we s we are sitting in. Uh, we do have a line of about 487 sponsors right outside of our door waiting for us to finish this podcast and hand us bags of gold, yeah, yeah, yeah. marijuana, and cocaine. Yeah, yeah, and jerk us off. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, you know, just be forewarned that there is a line. Yeah, there is a line. We are a much coveted podcast. Yeah. yeah. In fact, we're, we are making our way into Andromeda right now. Yeah. If, if there was, there were events as in the book, we would be we would be building our own mega structure for us. We to have live. enough money. G yeah, we, we have, have enough money and power. Yeah, yeah easily. Connections in politics wouldn't be that hard. Um, right now, I don't think anyone from NASA is getting paid. I'll hire mm -hmm. them all. Yeah, we yeah. will hire them all. We will hire every NASA employee. Yeah, to build our own cloud arc, and we decide who goes on there. Yeah, yeah. So let's head into the another section of our podcast. Moral dilemma. What you gonna do? Venezuela looking at you. So what do you do? Yeah, so the conundrum is, well, it's not a, it's not a conundrum really. It's, a, it's yeah. just a s sad reality yeah. that in a situation like this, only small percent of the population gets, uh, yeah. you know, on the cloud arc. And it's it's only the youth, and relative, and young. we should be very very selective. That's yeah. going to be unfair. It's going to be unfair. It's going to be unfair. We should be very very selective. Well, first of all, it's going to be some, someone young, yeah, someone with a good grasp of mathematics and physics, yeah, some someone who, uh, in their whatever year of training, can master piloting because yeah. those arclets don't pilot themselves, yeah. And most importantly, because the question is to uh, sa survival of the species. Yeah. Uh, most importantly, uh, most of them should be women. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Right. Is there even a point having a, m a man on the ark? Oh, we should clarify that what they do is they sending up uh, uh, a bunch of uh, preserved 
embryos that yes. could be used for, for the moth. Of all types of animals. So that's that's their idea. That's not our idea. That's their idea. Or yeah. Neil Stevenson's idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in that case, if that's the hope, if that's how uh, he's planning to continue the population, we don't really need a lot of men. Yeah. Hold on to that thought. It's going to circle back to you later in the book. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah, you should be. Well, but s- but so far, yeah. I mean, and, uh, well, and that... I'm just so... Let me tell you, I'm just so fascinated that that's where your brain has got after part one. I'm so fascinated. And it, you, you and the author are on such the same wavelength. It's very interesting. And I, and I can't say any more. I can't say any more. And... Where was, where was I going? And, obviously, with all those conditions that I've just uh, yeah. mentioned, uh, it's a very, very small portion of the population. Yeah. And a lot of people who really, really want to go out, g- up, won't, won't make it. And a lot of them are powerful. Yeah. So that is certainly an interesting... And what, what happens... Uh, and And... Well, I don't know if it's explained in part one, but it's coming up in part two, so I, I don't mind spoiling this. There was actually a contract where if you were a world leader or a world power or a billionaire, you couldn't, it was written in the contract, you couldn't go up. Hmm. Because you were, a dis- you were a decision maker or an influencer, and they wanted only raw ability. This is another idealistic um, kind of a trope thing that he introduced where he wants the idea, the, the people who are going to continue the human race have to be the people who believe in the big data. <laughs> the data set that doesn't lie. Yeah. And that's what he's looking for. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah. you want to. So the question becomes, will the rich and powerful sit back and support knowing full well that they are going to expire? Also knowing full well that, much like us, they have an infinite pool of resources from which to pull on. I am very skeptical of that. So, okay, so let's spoil again. So Venezuela, Venezuela, Venice, Venezuela. Was it Venezuela? Yeah. I don't think I can say that word. Venezuela. Yeah, Venezuela. Venezuela. They didn't play ball. In, in, in they a felt sense. slighted. Well, what happened is, uh, yeah, uh, most countries, they, although to- told people that it's going to be just, you know, random yeah, selection, yeah. they really screened people. Because yeah. as I've said, you need someone who's yeah. has already had, you, you don't have time to prepare no. uh, someone who's not knowledgeable in things, yeah. in all of those things. So you, you have to pre-select yeah, someone yeah. with a degree. A maths degree, a physics degree, uh, yeah. someone who's athletic, more or less. Uh, yeah. All those healthy, all of those things. Right. It's about survival of the species, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Not about any, it's not about what you want. It, it's about survival of all species. Yeah. Because we know yeah. the Earth is going to be a f- fireball for uh, like a thousand years. Yeah, because we must survive ourselves, and yes. then we must also pass on the genes of those of the animals and, and yes. plants and everything. It's a true Noah and the Ark situation yeah. scenario. Yeah. Deluge yeah. of biblical pr- proportions. Yeah. and uh, But Venezuela, they just did what? They just did random selection. Yeah. And then so they proposed this random people and none of them made it yeah. because when you take a random person from the population chances are that they have a maths or physics degree uh, or uh, are a pilot yeah. or can you know have s- some kind of very specific very niche yeah, yeah. skill that is required up there on the, on the cloud arc yeah the chances are very low and yeah. so none of them made it right uh, as of book one as of part one right and so that's that. Oh, okay, so that's as far as it got? Well, I mean, they started protesting. Okay. Uh, and all right. And, 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 that and, and sort of that started the sort of the political... Okay. Then you know what? Major we're political conflict. We're going to go ahead and pause on moral dilemma. What do you do? Because there's more... There's th- it progresses. And mm. I don't want to spoil. 
Um, so we'll pause that. Well, one. It, so, so I, I'm going to tell you uh, what some of the things that happened. Uh, they, well, my understanding is so. But oh, actually, let me. Um, I wonder if you can help me. Yeah. To build a better understanding of the situation that was going on because I'm a little bit confused about okay. that bit. Okay. So th- th- this happened with Venezuela, right? Yeah. But then what happened? W- and and then uh, at the same time, some group of protesters got hold of uh, the launch one ma- of the light missiles. Shots. Yeah. Some kind of some kind of rocket launchers, whatever. Yeah. 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 And started threatening. Yeah. Uh, actual because apparently somewhere in the vicinity there was a, uh, a launch a s- site. Yeah. Yeah. A launch yeah, yeah. site. And apparently, did they take down any of the spacecraft? Uh, yes. I think they did. Yeah, they took down one. Uh, I, think. I, I think they did. So that's oh, and the and the the government of Venezuela, what they said is they said that uh, this is all a hoax, some kind of hoax. Mm, yeah, people. Well, that was a big problem because people were believing that the moon exploding was part of a conspiracy theory or something. Yeah, and that's another fascinating bit because yeah. obviously they're going to be those conspiracy theories in that situation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's going to be all the flat earthers or whatever, and no matter what kind of information they're presented with, they want to have a narrative that seems... I don't know what the draw is with conspiracy. I, there's some kind of feeling that we get where we say, oh, no, but I know better. This is the real truth. And and so, yeah, in a scenario like that where you say, oh, well, we're going to go extinct and the earth is going to burn. No, I know better. <laughs> yeah. I know what's going on. So, yeah, uh, that was part of it. That was part of it. There was some denial there as to what was happening. And there was resentment that their team didn't get picked to go up. And so... The non-rational human race believes that, oh, if my team's picked, then that represents me. But, you know, as you had said, it really doesn't matter if you're sending up all these embryos. And really, at that point, it's, um, you know, your, your DNA is not surviving. <laughs> yeah. The only hope is that the human race is uh, continues on. Um so what was I going to say uh, about uh, Izzy? So knowing the premise and knowing what you've read, do you feel any more inspiration? Do you feel that space exploration and space development is not moving at a fast enough pace? Has it changed your opinion at all? Not really. Well, it's funny how this book sort of uh, very... I guess harmonious with what we were talking about last time. Mm. Uh, we talked that uh, we said that it doesn't really make a lot of sense at this point in time to go traveling to you know, yeah, of uh, you know, far far away places yeah. such as you know other galaxies or even to the far reaches of the solar system. Uh, but this idea of when we haven't even figured out the polar vortex. You heard about that? How people no. are like, the, yeah, the polar vortex, which is usually at the North Pole or huh. South Pole, um, it's dropping down, and so you know places like North Dakota are negative fifty degrees Fahrenheit right now, and on in the Northeast it's like below zero, however many degrees. It's like breaking all kinds of records, and it was just normally this polar vortex sits at the caps, hmm. but something happened and it dropped down and got all warped. Wow! And so it's. It's just literally freezing the ass off a lot of America and Canada. Ah, okay. So that's why uh, all the mid Midwest essentially is it's just, yeah frozen. It's just frozen, yeah. Wow. Popsicles. Yeah. Well, uh, I bet that that we should fix that first. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that, and then we'll worry about the moon exploding yeah, when the moon explodes. Yeah. But it's it's a fascinating this idea of cloud arc. Yeah. And. I find it appealing, this idea. Yeah. So, in in the book, we kind of have no choice. Yeah. But knowing that this kind of structure is possible, I kind of wa- want us to build it. Yeah. I was the same way. It would be very interesting. Why wait? Yeah. Why wait? 
just in case. And see, this is where it gets crazy because the um, the people who are going to be able to do this, obviously the government's shut down right now. So like we talked about last week, people at NASA aren't working. Yeah. So there's no innovation or even maintenance happening if with government space agencies. But I don't think SpaceX is sitting around. They're still developing. So if something like that's going to be done, it's going to be done by f- private money and private investors. Yeah. Yeah, the... What what I've learned from uh, listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson's interviews, yeah, that it is super under underfunded. Yeah, NASA. Yeah, and and they do so many great things with that level funding they have, which is yep. amazing. Yeah, and um, I don't know why would we want to build a megastructure on the orbit at this point in time, but it would would have been cool if we would be cool if we did. Yeah. Uh, just to test the concept, may well, yeah, why not? Maybe um, you've uh, have you watched uh, the Expanse? Oh, that's another sci-fi. You know what? I we, should we get into that book too at some point? Yeah, yeah, I think we should get into the Expanse series because I was gonna buy a couple of those books. You know, maybe in the summer. I don't know what happened. I just got sidetracked with a few other books, and I I didn't follow up on it but i would really like to after after having read this or listened to this i really want some more space sci-fi yeah well for well let me consider this one of the sort of the aspects i guess of uh, the world of the expanse is that uh we have basically a colony uh just by the asteroid belt Somewhere, I think in it is I think in the vicinity of Jupiter or something. So very, very far yeah. away. Mm-hmm. And there, it's just a sort of a, a big sort of glorified space station, essentially. Yeah. But it could be that kind of megastructure. Yeah. And the reason to build that megastructure on the Earth's orbit is to rehearse essentially rehearse. how it will be yes. in that uh, in those far reaches. I think that would be a very sensible idea. And I think it, it's super sensible. And also on top of that. Um, at just as an experiment, we're not going to change our biology. So just getting a megastructure that can simulate gravity, Earth gravity, is so critical. Because of everything that's been done in space and space exploration, uh, that's one of those things that no one's touched on yet. Uh, creating gravity. Yeah. And I don't... In part one, I'm trying to think if they've... Have they talked about that yet? Yes, a bit. Okay. So uh, what happens is that on the International Space Station, there is now an additional sort of torus. And then later they built a, a few more yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah. They spin. Uh, okay. And uh, it's sort of the, the um, what's it called? The angular momentum yeah. of a, a, an object in that spinning structure is essentially equivalent to having gravity yeah a, a centrifugal force type so thing. it's sort of a it spins it spins not fast enough so the gravity is not is not equivalent to earth gravity is much okay. weaker but it's fine yeah um and they have to they're forced to go live there for periods of time they can't yeah. just stay in their workstation yeah, and they yeah. you just have to go well no this is the long haul we got five thousand years of evolution we better get get a protocol in place yeah. and so they're forced to go there yeah. and live for a while but then also the way the arclets connect is they connect through those sort of uh i guess glorified cables of yeah some, of some sort uh and they spin yep and that create but that creates 1g proper 1g yeah that's right yeah 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 no it's uh, a good book i think um you know, again, I don't want to m- mar you, but I think for me, part two, you're in the best section. Things get really so good. So far, I'm I'm really loving it. It's just, I don't know, I was enjoying the f- the, the first part, but the s- second part is when I was like, oh, I yeah. wonder what will happen. Yeah. I want more. We I don't think we recorded this last week. Can you talk about Tekla? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> we're listening to the audiobook, okay? <laughs> And uh, there's this uh, Russian cosmonaut uh, named Tekla. Yeah. And I've n- I haven't seen the printed version of the book. 
but what I can tell for sure that there is no such name yeah. uh, as Tekla. Yeah. I'm presuming that what Stevenson probably wrote was uh, more more like Thecla, the TH. But I think it was a wrong transliteration of a Russian ne- Russian uh, name, uh, which is Fiokla. Uh, so that name exists. I think that was the idea. And then it was butchered uh, during the transliteration and then during the narration. Yeah. Or at least that's my guess. But then uh, that name is so rare. It's so archaic at this point. You'd, you'd read about that name in the 19th century oh, yeah. novels. Yeah, yeah. I don't think... I don't know. I haven't been... Very Victorian. I haven't been to... Or it was not even Victorian, maybe like uh, Middle Ages or... Well, it's not well, not Middle Ages, uh-huh. but more seventeenth, uh, I guess. Okay. Seventeenth to nineteenth century, I think, is yeah, where yeah, yeah. You, uh, I mean, yeah, there are people with this name, but it'd be probably a handful. Yeah, a handful of those. Definitely not in the top ten most popular Russian names, baby names. Oh, for absolute, 28, absolutely, twenty nineteen, absolutely not, absolutely yeah. not. But then again, maybe. I don't know. Wh- why not? I mean, that that that's a. That's a possible name. That that that's fine, or maybe. What is your opinion of the portrayal of uh, Russians in the book so far? Does the narrator's accent annoy you? It kind of annoyed me. I didn't like any accents. Yeah, when the narrator tries to do the accents. Yeah, because she does. Um, I could have done without the accents. I could have done because she does the German accent, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Her her English accent is is a bit off, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's fine, but uh, but uh, however, I still think it's good that it is there, because yeah. that lets you distinguish between who's talking. Yeah, I would. Th- so I like was thinking about it. See, these little things get to me when I'm listening. I go, "Oh man, I don't like that." But then that's exactly what I thought. I go, "Well, there needs to be, you know, it. It doesn't have to be an accent, but there at least needs to be. This is Tekla, and this is Izzy, and this is you know, you have to have yeah, something yeah, yeah. that is different." Given that Easy is the name of the International Space uh, Station. Uh, sorry, um, um, I not Izzy. Um, who's the commander? Ivy. Ivy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ivy. I would get that mixed up. They'd be saying Izzy, Ivy, Izzy, Ivy, and then, yeah, yeah. So Ivy or whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, they need to have something that's different. So, um, but it would kind of annoy me. A little bit, yeah. But then I'm, I'm, I'm getting back to the name. I'm impressed that he went for a really rare name. Yeah, I'm more. In, I'm inclined to think that he knew, and yeah. that was sort of the idea. He knew what he was getting into. Yeah. Okay. I thought that was the. I thought that was the idea to have a really rare name. Yeah. And I applaud him, for and and besides, he's really knowledgeable about names of you know various uh, <laughs> space modules and all that. The guy must be, I, I don't know, he must have been a physicist or something. Or he just put uh, hundreds of hours of research in, more than hundreds, thousands he of hours s- he of certainly, research. He's certainly w- well-versed in what's going on in the spa- in space industry from oh, various it's points insane. of view. Yeah, yeah. It, really, it really was insane. Um, so, hey, listen, if we're going to build our own space station, we need to mention a few people here. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to get into that right now. Uh, the first sponsor this week is really revolutionary. Very revolutionary. Mm. Um, I think that this service is probably going to be life-changing for humanity. So the name of the service is 64 and You. 64 and me. Uh, 64 and You. Mm. Not necessarily you, you, but 64 and You. Oh, I see. 64 and You. Yeah. Now, you may have heard there's these different uh, companies out there that will take swab Mm. of spit out of your mouth and give you DNA profile and talk to you about what you might be vulnerable for in disease. Talk to you about your heritage. Where did you come from? Yeah. Who is Vadim? 
What yeah. makes him up? What what disease will kill him? What disease will kill Vadim? And what should you be paranoid about for every waking moment of the rest of your yeah. life? Those are the other services. Here's what 64 and you does. Huh. It's innovative. Think of it as 23 and me meets Tinder. I'll explain further. It is a DNA profiling service. But on top of that, like Tinder, it matches you with similar DNA to other people. And if you swipe left on a person with your similar DNA, that means you've entered into a death bond with that person. And whoever dies first surrenders their organs to you for harvesting should you ever need to be fixed. This How is genius. That? It mixes DNA testing with cryogenics, with matchmaking, all for a better life. Let's face it, there's 7 billion of us out there. We're not all going to make it, but some of us will. And those who do should have a spare carcass or two on the side to harvest body parts from. Well, hang, hang on a second. I'm not sold yet. Okay. Is there machine learning involved at some point? Oh, the whole matching algorithm is state-of-the-art next-generation machine learning. Unbelievable. That's how they match you up with potential bodies. Well, what can I say? Where do I sign up? Here's what you want to do. You want to go to 64NU, yes, it's true, dot org, forward slash, Vadim Matthew Beer Books. Yeah. You go to that website. You tell them you heard about it on the Two Beers in a Book podcast. Bada bing, bada boom. You get an app on your phone. You spit on your phone. And then they find your DNA. Oh, you don't have to do anything. You just spit, spit on your phone. phone. Just spit on your phone. <laughs> oh, one spit directly on the Q QR reader. Uh, one remark I <laughs> want to make that I can see in the marketing materials that we've, we've gotten is that... Please, inform if, the listeners. If the .com domain doesn't work, do the RU domain, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually said .org. I believe it's a .org. It's all non-profit. Uh, but do.ru? Yeah, do.ru, <laughs> you know, because I've heard that, you know, it's, yeah, it's so successful it might be banned, actually, yeah. by major uh, yeah. providers. So, you know, you don't want that. And also, I you think... You don't want to miss out. No, you don't want to miss out. And I think the Russian mafia is really good at harvesting bodies, too. So yeah. the .ru yeah. is a very good point. Thank you for pointing that one out, Vadim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One more sponsor. Those yachts aren't going to pay for themselves, my friend. Uh, look, how do you organize all your credit cards and cash and coins? And oh, it's a nightmare, isn't it? it? Yeah, it's it's a real nightmare. A lot of people, you know, they get pickpocketed. Absolutely. Um, a lot of people put it in their back pocket and they get uh, their back out of alignment because they're sitting on a lump all day, mm. like having a broomstick up your ass. Yeah. Uh, so what? Uh, our, another one of our sponsors for this week is called Bridged Wallet, friends. Bridged wow. Wallet, yeah. So what it is is it's a, a wallet that you can hold everything in from coins to cash to credit cards. Of course, it's got RFID interference, so you can't be hacked. And there is a, a bridge from the wallet to your dick. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people have to put something in their pocket, but this should just hang from your dick, and it hangs down the side of your pants. Hmm. And that's your bridge wallet. There's a bridge from your dick to your wallet. And it's got everything you need. And these guys are great. So it's at bridgedwallet.ru forward slash, forward slash two beers and a book bridged. It's the best wallet I've ever used. Are you wearing it right now? I am wearing it right now. Can yes. I sort of uh, pull it? Yeah. Give it a tug. You'll see that it won't come out. Go ahead. Give it mm. give it a, get as much as you can. Oh, oh, yeah. No, see, I knew exactly that someone yeah. was trying to pick my pocket right there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it it works as advertised. Yeah. And very rarely do we see that anymore. Normally, people advertise things and shit just doesn't work. Yeah. But this uh, Dick Bridge wallet yeah. is uh, perfect. It's exactly what I needed. I... Uh yeah, I'm You'll I'm have gonna, to check it out. I'm gonna Don't worry, I have I'm 10 freebies. I'll, I'll give you one to try out. Yeah, it's yeah. great. It's, it's fantastic. charitable of you. Yeah, yeah. So next week, part two. 
part part two. Yes, I'm hoping. That Try and make it all the way through. Yeah, yeah. If you can. Yeah. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours. But part two is critical. Part two is the key to the heart of surviving to the next 5,000 years. I guess the last question I have for you today. Matthew, okay. Yes, yes. Would you recommend the book as the survival guide? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think for all the people who are, uh, what are they called? Um, preppers? Mm. Fuck building a bunker in your backyard. Yeah. And it's not going to save you from... Well, actually, you remember uh, the other not um, not Izzy. No. Ivy. Ivy, not yeah, Ivy. Ivy's boyfriend. No, no, who's... Uh, yeah, okay, good. Who's on the, on the submarine. Good, you got that. And then who's the girl, the minor girl? Who, what's her name? Uh, uh, Dinah. Dinah. Remember... Yeah. Her father was a minor. Yeah. And there was that dialogue going back and forth. You got to keep that in the back of your head. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting something. For like so I, I, Let I me put it this way. This book, although 800 pages, this dude could have just made a career out of fleshing out. He could have parlayed all of this into probably more books than the, um, what's the other sci- sci-fi one? The Expanse. Yeah. He, he probably could have parlayed this into probably 12 different books if he wanted to. Yeah, that's an amazing setting. I was thinking it would be really cool to have a, a, a spin-off, a TV show maybe, where just things happen in that setting. It's infinite. Yeah. Because 5,000 years is like... Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, yeah. Uh, but for now, I'm thinking, well, okay, you're on a submarine, but you know, how long can you survive on a submarine? Like, where, where will you get... Where, where will you get the oxygen to breathe? Well, But I guess... It, it depends, because I'm thinking if it becomes hellishly hot, then uh, probably uh, the oceans will boil and evaporate eventually. There will be no oceans in your submarine. Yeah. Uh, you can then, you know, it's, it's as, as good as... Uh, is A space station. Is as good as... Uh, well, it's, it's worse than space station, because you know, the submarine will be bombarded. It will be hot, first yeah. of all. So you, you can't get rid of that excess heat. Yeah so much more to the story that I just can't comment on or talk yeah, about. Yeah, well, I'm uh I'm going I'm I'm hoping I'm I'm, I'm hoping to finish it. Okay. Next week, but uh we'll right see. On. We'll, we'll see. see. Cool, man. It's good catching up on this yeah. and we will chat next week. Yeah. All right, little under an hour, but that's